I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. This is Emma all by myself today, but I do have a guest hanging out with me, Mark Harbinger is the author of Benighted, or sorry, The Benighted, and he has joined me today to talk about mental health tropes in fiction. This is going to be a great conversation, but first, welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Emma. It's good to be with you. So before we started recording, you were telling me uh, a little bit of backstory about the title Benighted. Can you fill the listeners in on the trickery you did there? Well, yeah. So, um, the main, the protagonist has is uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia, and as it happens, um, you know, I was looking for looking for uh, a word that would mean both a hero and also someone who's suffering quite a bit. And benighted actually can mean both those things, depending on whether or not it's spelled with the K. So benighted with the K means to be knighted, which is to mm-hmm. say to be the hero of of that you know particular realm. And then benighted without the K means you know horribly afflicted. So I went with that. And actually, oh. the, title, the title actually has the parentheses in it, which I was very happy to, to find out that that was okay, that that didn't mess up all the databases out there. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I wouldn't even have thought of that until I tried to do it and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually a pretty good segue, uh, the little description about your character, into what we came here to talk about. So your character has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. That's right. Why did you choose to make a person with schizophrenia the hero of your story? So I grew up in a family that my immediate family had uh, one, two people, one person officially diagnosed with schizophrenia, another one with schizoaffective disorder. And then the extended family, it ran, it turned out that it ran in the family. So Mm. I grew up in a family that was sort of riddled with it. So when I came around to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to be a, you know, I'm going to do this writing thing full time and, my first major project. I'd written a novel before, but I wanted to do something um, not just as a spare time kind of first novel. I'm going to do something that had a little more heft to it. And I thought, well, this will be great. This will be easy because I've got so much experience with schizophrenia. I'll just make my my hero schizophrenic and it'll be, uh, I can do it accurately because, you know, I've experienced it secondhand, not firsthand, but, you know, um, to write. I thought that would be the easiest part of this. And mm-hmm. it turned out, and uh, this is my advertisement for, uh, you know, research and empathy trumping uh, life experience, if you want to really be a serious writer, because no blood was flowing to it. I just was having so much trouble with the character, and I couldn't figure it out, and I couldn't figure it out. And I finally just sort of stepped back and said, well, I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything about this. Like, I've never met a person who had the disease. I'm going to research it from square one. And what I come to find out was that a lot of the assumptions, you know, I, mean, I, I could accurately describe, you know, the behaviors and everything, but I had made assumptions about how the illness worked internally in that person's mm-hmm. psyche, which really affected my ability to empathize with the character. So until I researched it and until I, and there are books out there uh, that I strongly recommend for anyone who wants to write about someone with schizophrenia. Ellen R. Sachs uh, has schizophrenia. She's also uh, a dean at USC Law School, right? 
So uh, yeah. this this illness is not something that necessarily prevents someone always prevents someone from having a very normal and even pr- super productive life. Uh, also, Girl Interrupted by Susanna Kaysen, of course, is probably the best known. But mm-hmm. uh, Ellen, Eleanor Sachs's uh, book about her experience, her memoir is called The Center Cannot Hold. And I, I recommend both those first person accounts um, just to sort of, you know, provide a, a counterbalance to whatever you think you know about it, <laughs> especially, whatever's <laughs> been pre- especially whatever's been presented in the media, right? Um, right. And then, so once I sort of read those firsthand accounts, once I researched it sort of objectively, then I came to a whole new realization about the people in my family. And I, and I, and it, it sort of solidified it for me. I'm like, oh, that's the heroism here. The real heroism is how to deal with this illness. And so the idea of having a hero with this illness is almost redundant. And that even led me to the conceit, the center, central conceit of the, of the novel itself, the fantasy novel, which is this is a person who uh, is afflicted with what's called early onset schizophrenia or childhood onset schizophrenia. Most schizophrenics uh, will, the, the, it'll manifest itself late in their teens or early 20s, sometimes a little earlier, but sometimes it's even earlier than that. Sometimes it's before age 13, and in extremely rare cases, it's when they're very, very young, toddlers and whatnot. Wow. And there's one of those in my family. So that was, you know, I knew that that was a thing. And I'm like, okay, so that's that's the kind of character I want to write about. And then I realized, well, what if, what if I just made that the conceit? What if I made the conceit that, yeah, this is a person who has heard voices their whole life, but some of the voices are real. Oh. And those those real voices are actual beings, and that is the magic system, and that is, and it all just kind of flowed from that. And then the the sort of, uh, chosen one trope. I got to little kind of sidestep that or sachet along with the chosen one trope because, <laughs> because now this person, you know, uh, they have a leg up because they've spent their whole life dealing with voices and dealing with these counter, you know, counter personalities and and central facets of their own being that are externalized. Now they can, you know, they they have this advantage, sort of a natural advantage. So that that's the central conceit of the book and. It's hard to do a, a comp, but the one that I come up, came up with was, I don't know if you're a fan of comic books at all, but there's a hero yes. called Dr. Fate. And I said, this is Dr. Fate meets the good doctor. <laughs> oh, and that's I, cool. And that's, how it, and that's how it came about. And then once, once all that fell into place, then I was off and running. And 500 pages later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, wow. I'll, I'll, it's only 423 trade paperbacks, so I, I should use that number. <laughs> Um, so what, first of all, I think it's really cool that writing this story enabled you to better understand your family members, like the people in your real life. What are the tropes or the ways of writing about people who have mental illness that really just annoy you? Right. Well, so, uh, and I can speak specifically to schizophrenia and a lot of this will be applicable you know, to the others as well, to the other diagnoses and the other things. And, and I know that uh, I listened to uh, an interview you did, a podcast you did where you were being interviewed about grief oh, and, yes. about, and about, you know, so I know, I, I know this is something you're familiar with too. So I, you know, I don't want to bore you, but just to touch on the basics, the way I think of it is there's certain tropes that kind of happen uh, depending on the sophistication of the audience. Like for a general audience, we'll start at the basics here. When I was growing up, schizophrenia meant multiple personalities. Right which, is, right, which is wrong, which is just flat out wrong, yeah. <laughs> and, and always has been. By the way, it's never meant that. But you know, we, we and we actually use schizophrenic as an adjective to 
mean something that does something and the opposite of that thing. You know, it's, it's, it's become, you know, it's, it's baked into our language now, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. so when a lot of times, even, even today, they will use schizophrenia as the official reason why this person has multiple personalities. That's wrong. That's a completely different disorder. That's, that's sort of the most basic wrong trope, you know, that, that, that's out there. Um, the other one is because schizophrenia involves positive symptoms of like hallucinations and what they call synesthesia, which is when one of your uh, senses is triggered, it triggers other senses as well. So you end up with auditory and, and all sorts of interesting possibilities Mm-hmm. That writers tend to take that and, and say, "Well, that's carte blanche. Now I can do whatever I want. I can. Wouldn't it be cool if this scene did this? And wouldn't it be cool if? And sometimes they will do the whole story as though, well, it was all just one big schizophrenic episode, you know? And oh, yes. yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it was all a dream, you know. So it's complete cheap. <laughs> you, you know, it's so cheap, so cheap. But that's what you know. That that's what happens with the sort of middle of the road audience. That's that tends to be." And then there's another thing, and this is this gets to the other real problem with writing, having this kind of character as the protagonist. The final one for really, really sophisticated audiences, they will go ahead and do it first person and allow them to be the unreliable narrator. Uh-huh. So they will write it from the perspective of the person who's going through all this. And it's kind of a, it's, it's also the same cheat, really, though. They, they're just kind of, you know, they can experience whatever they want, and then that becomes the explanation for it. And they kind of bypass sort of the basics of storytelling that way. At the end of it, you'll get to the end of a book like that. Shock of the Fall might be one that I, I excuse me, Skin of the Fall. Skin of the Fall is one that I started reading and I, I just sort of stopped about halfway through because I'm like, okay, I know how this goes. But mm-hmm. the, the idea is, you know, with realistic literature, a lot of times it's about the writing more than it is the story, right? So right. it's this amazing, you know, they can craft these these poignant scenes and it's the prose is so wonderfully done. And it is very often, but it doesn't hold together as a story. It makes no sense. Well, now it doesn't have to make sense because, well, they have, you know, your, your main character has schizophrenia. You don't know how much of this is real and how much wasn't. So there you go, right? So that's those are the tropes that tend to crop up the most, um, when it comes to schizophrenia, there are some others. They it's, it's, It tends to be associated more with a propensity for violence, which isn't necessarily wrong, but, um, but it also really gives short shrift to the people who are going through it. It's not, it's, it's sort of a sensationalist trope. And then a couple others that um, I was trying to, I, I anticipated the question. So obviously, so I was jumping, <laughs> jotting down a couple others. And these are ones that have not only I've experienced just watching things, but also there are websites out there about tropes and whatnot. So a disproportionate amount of time in the facility um, where the story is, you know, it's about, it, they use the illness as an excuse to sort of I- I- explore the facility, the, the institutionalization of the people. And the people aren't necessarily humanized very well in mm-hmm. terms of the storytelling. Um, and there's an overemphasis on troubled childhoods being the cause of the illness. Like I've met people who, when when the illness comes on, the person's personality is upended. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, straight A students, valedictorians, uh, tremendously successful and competent, and 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 you know, engaging people, and this will. Um, it will even that playing field in a big way. It will bring everyone down to where they have to deal with these with these symptoms. And the prognosis, while it's not as hopeless as a lot of people would think, it's a really tough one. I mean, this is a tough one. Only one out of four 
Well, one out of 100 people are diagnosed with schizophrenia, and one out of four of those will go on to have what you and I would call a relatively normal life. Um, another 50% will require ongoing help in some way. Uh, some of those will be able to live independently and some not. And then the remaining 25% are the ones that, you know, they're the, the homeless and the ones who kill themselves or get into trouble with the law or that sort of thing. So it's a tough one. It is very tough. It requires a lot of support, usually requires medication. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to write, to write that kind of character, it's, it's a challenge to be engaging and tell a story and not make it all about that character. I chose to do it sort of the same way that Sherlock Holmes or they did with Batman, where their mind becomes a black box. You don't mm-hmm. make them, you don't make them the viewpoint character. You, you observe them being the hero through the observations of the people around them. So that's, that's how I handled it. With that, that's actually a good segue to the next question, which was how would you advise writers who do want to tackle a topic like this? How would you advise them to avoid some of the pitfalls that we've talked about? Thanks. Yeah. So the biggest one, like I said, I think is, is research and trying to get as many different viewpoints as you can. You're not going to get as many first person accounts as you might with other types of, of characters, but there's a lot of literature out there too about, about the effects. And there's, um, there's a terrifying, uh, there are terrifying simulations, one especially, but there's several on YouTube where they've actually recreated sort of what it's like to live with it and to have the, the effects. Oh. And, um, you know, it's, uh, the actual symptoms are actually pretty predictable in a general sense. Um, just picture. And, and the person in my family told me that this is how it goes. He says, you're not hearing voices in the sense that you think there's another being talking to you necessarily. It's, as, it's like when in English, when you say the you is understood, mm-hmm. like go, go there. You really mean you go there. He says it's that way in reverse. So someone's talking to you and you don't have to identify them. They're already there. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're with you. And, and you can look at it and go, well, that's the tree just told me that. Or I just heard the radio. The guy on the radio just told me that. But he says it never gets to that level of cognition because it's sort of already inside you. And which is, that's, that's a terrifying, especially for a little child. Oh yeah. You know, (laughs) so, you know, that's why I say I I gained a whole new appreciation for, for the various family members and for anyone who has this sort of thing. Um, It's a uh, truly terrifying thing. So, uh, you know, research, research, research. Mm -hmm. Number two, understand the point of view problem. Other writers, when they alpha and beta read my stuff, they very often, they would, as, as like Neil Gaiman says, you know, uh, when people say something doesn't work, you got to take them on their word. They're right. Something's not working. He says, he also says 99% of the time, what they say to fix it is wrong. Right. <laughs> you know? And, and they all said, well, you should make this first person. You should make this first person. You know, that's what all the writers, that's their instinct these days. Everything's going to be first person. That's, you know, and it, it, that's, that's the death knell for this sort of thing, because think about it logically. Try, let's say Batman, for example. If you really wanted to do Batman first person and tell Batman's story, you would have to tell the story of all those years where he was beating up people in the supermarket for looking at him the wrong way, you know, dealing with the, the severe mental issues that he's got, you know, to, right. to end up where he's at now, he had to have gone through, you know, unbelievable things, you know, to get there. So you, without making it, the only way you could tell a story that isn't just all about what's in their head is to not 
directly yeah. show, show what's in there. Right, right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's where I ended up with. And that would be a recommendation I'd make with. Sometimes the unreliable narrator is just not the way to go. Sometimes you need a reliable-ish narrator. Yeah. I've done some some nonfiction writing, you know, blogging and, and other content like that for organizations that support people with developmental challenges or um, with autism or autism spectrum disorders. And one of the things that comes up a lot is individuals who say, well, that's not me that, you know, you've given them my label, but that's not me. And I think that's because writers have a tendency to go through the symptom list and say, oh, this person has all of those things. (laughs) And that's almost never true with a mental health condition. You almost never have every single thing on that list in the DSM. It's Oh, Emma. Yeah, that's such a great point. That's such a great point. And the fact a lot of times the way they make these diagnoses is they just have a suite of observable behaviors, right? There'll be 10 different behaviors. Mm -hmm. And they'll say if a person has six of these, they have this diagnosis. Right. That means that means that a per or let's say five, right? Five of these. Because that'll make the point. That means a person could have one through five and another person could have six through 10. They both have the diagnosis, but they don't share any of the same observable behaviors, right? So exactly. it's, it's a very, that's a tough one. Yeah, no doubt. So there's almost the problem of like trying to be too authentic. Like, well, the book says that, you know, the DSM says that they have all these symptoms. So I have to give them all of them. But that's not realistic either. And it it turns the person into a diagnosis instead of a character. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. And I'm big on that. I really think that, you know, storytelling, there are different types of stories, no doubt about it. Sometimes the the main point of the story is the milieu, the world you built, or the the idea that's going on, or the event, you know, to use Orson Scott Card's mice quotient. (laughs) But I don't think you can avoid character. I don't think, I think at some level, first of all, we talked about unreliable narrator. Even if the narrator isn't reliable, they better be a good audience proxy. It better be someone the audience can identify with, right? Right. So it's really important that at least you know the audience proxy and some of the main characters that you really touch on. Uh, and I try hard. Uh, I certainly had enough pages. Uh, <laughs> I tried. I tried hard to make as many uh, three dimensional characters as I could. And it's such. A, it's such a process. And you know, you've written uh, novels. I know. Um, I'm a pantser. I don't know about I don't know about you. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. It's well established on this podcast that both Shelley and I are diehard pantsers and can't plan things cuz it kills the story. Oh, it's so it's so true. And and you know, uh I sometimes outline just so that I know what I don't want to do, you know. But I <laughs> But but I to tell you how bad it gets, you want to talk about hearing voices. And by the way, I, I've been using schizophrenic and schizophrenia, and I know that it is um, not always the best idea to lead with the label that way. But just for you know purposes of time, I, I think the most recent positive uh, label that uh, is out there is voice hearing, voice hearing individuals. That's what that's the absolute politically correct term to use, is my understanding. Interesting. But, but yeah, yeah, and it's not wrong, right? You know, but uh, that is the main positive symptom. But like you said, it's not you know, like a person could have the illness and not hear voices. So right. it's a tough one. This is always so tough. But I, this is absolutely true. I hand to God, I was sitting here on a Friday night, late night, writing dialogue. I wrote a line of dialogue, and then I laughed out loud and said, ha, "I wish I had thought of that." <laughs> 
<laughs> and you know that that is the level that honestly got that is the level of dissociation that you can achieve <laughs> yes. as a pantser when you're writing these things you're just like it just comes through you you know you don't know where it comes from and that's that's so fun and, it is. and, and enriching just for yourself selfishly a fun thing so there are definitely times where i wished i was as funny as my characters are <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of characters, do you have plans for this character uh, in subsequent novels, or are you going to pick up something new? Where are you going from well, here, Panzer? The, fun- <laughs> the-, <laughs> uh, the funny thing is that this uh, epic, see, what would it be? It's an epic, contemporary, high concept, low fantasy. That's the total. total wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All the labels, all the, all the correctly labeled, what it is, genre. Um, <laughs> Sub 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 genre. Uh, so this was all this was all in preparation for what, <laughs> for what I really wanted to write. This is like my Cimmerillion, you know what I mean. So although although hopefully it's easier to read than that. <laughs> but um, so so the idea is I wanted to tell the origin. St- I wanted this superhero to exist, but I had to figure out the origin story. And the more I figured out the origin story, I was like, well, this is interesting to me at least. I think. And as I bounced it off people and bounced it off alpha readers and beta readers. And it became obvious there was something here. And then when I built the world and built the magic system, I'm like, okay, well, there's, there are, there's a lot more where this can go. So even after this, um, there is, there are sequel novellas planned for this that focus on various other characters that that haven't even come up in the prologue yet. But um, the, the actual, (laughs) The actual thing that all this was designed to do was to be the origin story for a superhero. That superhero, I just finished. It went to print literally days ago. It'll, I'll be picking it up in a few days from the printer. Oh, um, I, I made an, antho- an anthology comic. I used a bunch of short stories that I'd, I had had published online that had, I, had, I had submitted competitively and had been published over the years. And I wrote a new one. And I did some other things and I compiled it all and I hired a bunch of artists and I've been super, I've been editing and supervising the production process. And it's been, it's been uh, six months since I, seven months, seven months since I hired the first artist and I started writing and rewriting the scripts because comic scripts are a different beast. Right. um, You know, than, than prose. So I had to tweak things. Um, But that project, that's what I really did this for. And the final story of that anthology actually is issue zero of the precept. And that's the precept is the name of the hero, by the way. Ah, okay. So, uh, yeah, you know him. You know him as Marshall. Yeah, you know. So the prologue is the origin story to the origin story. The novel is the origin story, and then there's a comic book, theoretically, anyway, that this was all done for. Now, whether whether that comic book ever this is all entirely a patch. This is all for Ms. Walden in my fourth grade class. All right, I told her I would make a comic book, and by God, I did it. You know oh, I, mean? I love that. It's no, it's true. I, it's actually it's in the it's in the acknowledgements. I've got uh, little screenshots of my report card from fourth grade where she said, "I'm really looking forward to reading his his comic. He's a you know he's a very good drawer and writer and you know <laughs> cute, cute 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 cute." So th- this was my you know I don't know maybe this was my midlife crisis. Some guys buy a sports car, but I uh, I made a comic book. So. <laughs> But no, I just, I've just had the time of my life. I really have. And uh, I'm in semi-retirement. And this was a great way to carve out a portion of my life and pursue a kind of a creative dream. And you know how enriching it is to, to, Absolutely. to do this sort of thing. So Now, if someone done. wants to keep track of this wild adventure that you've set yourself <laughs> on, where can they find you online? 
Um, so my blog is uh, www.coffeebeat, with a T, cafe, all one string of characters, so C-O-F-F-E-E-B-E-A-T dot com. And that's where I tend to park, you know, uh, miscellaneous things. You can sign up for the newsletter there. I'm open to any, anybody who wants to drop me a comment there. I'm Mark H at coffeebeatcafe.com. So uh, you can always email me. And um, and my books are everywhere where books are sold. Uh, it's, uh, I went both Amazon and wide. So awesome. The, the Benighted is on Amazon. And your podcast listeners, I will hip them to the same thing. The prologue, which is its own standalone short story. And it's not short. It's, uh, what, 50 pages? Yeah, it's... <laughs> it is, uh, it's available for free. So you can read that and decide whether you, whether it's your cup of tea or not, and then proceed forward. Although I will say this, there's a tonal shift, which of course is the wrong thing to do. You know, if you're trying, <laughs> trying to hook an audience, but there is something of a tonal shift. This, the, the backstory and what, what Marshall goes through as a young child, there's no way to avoid all of the turmoil right, of right. it all. Uh, so it's a very, you know, I've had people say, oh, I, I read your, your short story. I read your prologue and I, I love thrillers and I love horror. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's pretty intense, but it's not. I don't want anyone coming away thinking that the story itself, the novel itself is horror. It's really not. It's straight up urban fantasy, contemporary fantasy, but it definitely has some crescendos that are quite intense. So I want if a reader's going to be thrown by the prologue, then they'll be thrown later, too. So it's it's probably a good thing I did it the way I did. But I had a lot of fun with it. All right. So they can go to your website, sign up for your newsletter and get that free prequel story. Awesome. Well, I think this has been incredibly useful for anyone who does want to write about mental health topics. If you out there in the world have questions that you want to shoot at either of us, I imagine we'd be down for that. So yeah, let us know. I'll put a thingy in uh, Spotify lets us do a thing where we can put in like questions for the audience. So we'll ask the audience what they want to know. And I'll pass things along if I get any that I don't know the answers to. (laughs) That's great. It has been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much, Em.